Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Lead Her Life. On today's episode, we are joined by Stacy Carswell. Stacy is a certified personal trainer and performance coach and has an extensive background in all things health and wellness. Today, we discuss the Everyday Athlete Program, which is a fitness program that Stacy has created and designed with the Everyday Athlete in mind. We talked to Stacy about her journey to becoming a personal trainer, what motivated her to start her own business, and the challenges that she has overcome along the way. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Lead Her Life Podcast. I'm Natasha. And I'm Dee. Our goal with this podcast is to inspire, entertain, and help you lead your life by sharing our stories and speaking with other empowered female leaders. Hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dee and I are so excited to have you on. Uh, Just a little background on kind of what drew us to you and your story. We both made a conscious effort to incorporate fitness into our daily routines, but at times we struggled finding what works best for us. We found, you know, going to gyms and personal trainers at gyms a little bit intimidating, and we can only imagine a lot of people struggle with that. So, you know, we're really excited to see that you're kind of changing the game in that with your everyday athlete program and everything that you have going on. So with that being said, can you give us just a kind of quick overview of everything you do? Sure. (laughs) I always feel like it's a long list because it's morphed over the years. So I originally went to school for fitness and health promotion and I graduated from there. And at that time I was like, you know what, there's something more. I'm not really ready to branch off and just go into training in the fitness industry and I always love education and so I went back um, for workplace wellness and health promotion and I did that as a post-grad and that was great and it led me into working in the corporations and corporate end of things for a while but I still felt like something was missing. And so then I (laughs) went back to school for physiotherapy assistant, occupational therapy assistant. And then I branched in and obviously graduated from that and worked in clinic setting as a physiotherapy assistant and occupational therapy assistant. Uh, But I still felt like something was missing. And so I went to work uh, at a clinic where it was a little bit more sport rehab. It still incorporated my background of training. And I should say all through the years of going to school, I was working and training and doing boot camps or other style things. But again, there was always something that felt like it was missing. And so I went to work at another clinic, more sport oriented, and that started to fuel my passion for going back into training more and not so much rehab because I realized I had a lot more to offer and there was always something in me that kept wanting to grow and do more and you know see where I could take things Um, and so yeah inevitably in the end not planned I went out on business on (laughs) into business on my own and just went for starting out um, incorporating everything I love which is basically like training and rehabbing the body but through a fun and in a fun way and training in the gym and building strength and doing it in a way that doesn't necessarily feel like you're bored or doing these minute exercises and just giving back to your body in a good way and so yeah I've launched into working for myself and I always say my focus is the injured athletes the rehabbing athletes but that includes as I call them the everyday athletes 
um, those of us that maybe aren't competing in sport or maybe never played sport, but you love to train, you love fitness, you love the feeling it gives you. Um, and that's what through this pandemic has made me launch the Everyday Athlete Program. That's so cool. And when you talk about training, is it like lifting weights, running, walking, everything? For me, the focus when clients come to work with me or see me is the strength aspect of it usually. That's where most people aren't getting the right mix of things together. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing your aerobic stuff, your anaerobic stuff and the cardio. Um, I always say we need everything to have balance. So we need the cardio and conditioning. We need the strength. We need the mobility. We need all of that and the mindset part of it too. And I think we go too hard to focus on one thing and we miss out on the benefits of being uh, like a multi-sport athlete or being able to move in different ways. So I think a little of everything is good, um, but when people see me mostly, I'll focus on them with the strength, alignment, mobility aspect, and then give them things to do outside of when I see them. That's great. So you mentioned you've just started to have your own practice and work for yourself. What does your day-to-day -day look like? Are you working one-on-one -on -one with clients? Are you more web-based now? Because I know COVID has changed a lot of things. So what does your everyday, day-to-day -day stuff look like? Yeah, so since COVID, it's changed completely. It used to be more always in, like it was always in the gym. And I had this little feeling of like mm, online in the background. And I had always played and toyed with the idea of what would that look like? And then COVID hit. So here we are and I went full steam with a full app program. So it's like a membership, like I said, the Everyday Athlete Program. It's a membership-based program. Um, when you join, you're getting workouts every month, new workouts every month, mobility, mindset, all that stuff I had said that you want to incorporate. So that takes up a lot of my time in the sense of messaging people, making sure everyone's feeling accountable, that they're there, I'm there to support them, they're getting the information they need, building all of the programs ahead and trying to be ahead of it um, and recording myself. I had to learn all the tech end of things, um, recording, loading to YouTube, uploading into the app, sound, quality, lighting, you name it. So that was all during the pandemic. I launched the Everyday Athlete Program, and then I do have virtual clients on Zoom and that type of thing. I do have some group sessions virtually, and then I do now that we are in Guelph, Ontario, we are allowed to open up. So because I work at a smaller studio, we are allowed to be open in red. So as soon as we went into red, I was able to get back working in person. And so basically two days right now are full in person. And then three days are kind of my virtual hybrid app days. Cool. Just in follow up to that, I'm curious. I love digging into like the mindset aspect and I love reading personal development. I'm curious, like what does that mindset aspect look like for your, your clients? Yeah. And it, as I think... The more we learn about mindset, the more we're realizing how much it impacts the physical body. And it's probably more of a factor into even like what I do in training than people realize. If we aren't feeling mentally balanced um, and we're just focusing solely on physical and pushing our body to our limits, the mind starts to break down. And it reverses too if we're not focusing on keeping our mind healthy and happy and there's buildup of stress and anxieties and things like that, then our physical body breaks down. And so for me, 
In the Everyday Athlete program, I've built in, I call them five minute timeouts. I feel like people become overwhelmed as soon as they think I have to like meditate or I have to, you know, sit there for 20 minutes or, you know, they feel like it's this overwhelming task. And so I've put in where it's just five minutes of quiet time shutting off. Unfortunately, they have to listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I cue them through different little short meditate. I, I don't even, I call them mindset shifts. And that's why I call them the five minute timeouts. Um, just to give them that minute in their five minutes in their day to just reset, refocus. And so any of my private clients, I've started to integrate that into them, their programming also, if they're open to it. But yeah, it's a huge component of our physical well-being, emotional. <laughs> it really, as I say, like the brain controls the body. It controls how we respond to things, how we feel physically. And if we're not taking care of the mind, then the body has fallout somewhere along the way. Yeah, I love that. I just started meditating last year, <laughs> like a couple months ago, and it's made like such a huge difference. So I love that. Yeah, and it's sticking to it. I think that's the hardest part is sticking to it. Mm -hmm. And if you just, it's like training, if you stick to it day after day, you slowly start to notice little changes, even if it's subtle. Definitely. I was just going to go into more questions about the Everyday Athlete program. So I think with a lot of apps, I find that you don't really get the support from the creator of the program. It's more of these coaches who are helping you along the way and being accountable for what you do and your coach congratulating you and, and meeting with you and making sure that you're doing it, but you actually speak to clients. And if someone has a question about the way to do an exercise or if their form is correct, do you connect with them on those things? Yeah, absolutely. It was a part of when I started the online world. I didn't want to do that where it was someone else, you know, just giving a thumbs up or saying congrats. I wanted the feeling of that connection with the clients, even though we make like we can't be necessarily in person. And it's just another platform to help them be able to one, have flexibility and work out when it works for them. They're not having to sign up for a class time. They're not having to show up at a certain time they can just get the workouts in on their schedule and so that connection yeah absolutely like if they want to video themselves and send it to me through the app it does that so they can send me videos of themselves doing the exercise and say hey can you take a look at this and I can video and send back or write out suggestions I also do monthly calls on zoom so each month they are rounding a new program and hitting into a new month when we jump on the calls they can ask any questions I record and give them all those replays so if they can't make the time that we do them they have some feedback from other clients hopefully and they can ask me before we head into the call too if they can't make it but yeah that connection was it's why we do what we do I think as much as we we want it's our jobs and it's our income and it's our life the connection with other human beings is why we go into careers and training and and really well if you guys HR <laughs> yeah there, there are parts of every job that's connecting with other people and so that was a big factor into me deciding how I would do this and how I would reach people and connect yeah so it is me behind the scenes typing away <laughs> texting away uh that's amazing, yeah, zoom, though. That's... the zoom calls so that everyone feels they can they know who's creating the programs and who's connecting with them and and just for for people listening to what fitness level is it geared towards and what equipment is needed 
The program is geared towards all levels, really, and I'll explain that maybe in a second. As for equipment, I tried to make it as simple because it is a pandemic and the prices have gone up and fitness equipment is now double the price of things that it was before. Yeah. And so given that, I just use mini loops or mini bands, dumbbells. Uh, if you have a bench box, that works, but you can also use a chair or couch for certain exercises if you don't have a plyo box or bench to use. And if you have kettlebells, you can swap out kettlebells to dumbbells. I'm trying to think what else I use. Oh, super bands, love them. So the longer looped bands. So yeah, I made it all portable so that you can cram it into a corner in your condo, in your house, wherever you might be. And that you don't have to have so much variety of equipment. Like if you only have a few dumbbells, sure, at some point you'll need heavier. But I try to make the exercises challenging in their own way that almost body weight would fatigue you, but then load it and you're in your strength phase burning out pretty fast. It is meant for anyone, I always say, as long as you're an active individual and you are somewhat familiar with exercise, it is for you. If you are a beginner who has never stepped into a gym before, maybe not the first step for you, but it's like anything. I could go for a run and run a 5K slow, or I could go and run a 5K fast. And so the same applies when you're doing the workouts. If you need to slow it down, slow it down. If you need to skip a set for some reason, skip at that time and then over the months add it in. But yeah, most of the individuals on it are your everyday runners, your old retired athletes, <laughs> your, you know, those of us that aren't competing at levels anymore, but we still have that athletic drive or high performers. You want to be outside active with your family, your kids, and you just like the feeling of being strong and athletic for life it's for you that's kind of what I based it on but if you're really beginner and you're just starting out best step is contacting me in person not maybe going that route right away because there are some plyometrics and things in there that might be a little too demanding but each month progresses on the other and then we kind of round back down for a rest week and then each month progresses on the next for four months and then we round into a rest week so it's so that you're periodizing your training so you're not burning out every month just pushing hard yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I want to jump in with one question, Natasha. Yeah, yeah. Since, yeah. since uh, you mentioned it, Stacy, I am actually training for a 5K starting next week. And which I've one are you doing? I'm I'm doing it with I belong to a personal development community called She Goes, and so oh, they're yeah. putting on a virtual 5K basically at the end of April and but I've never run a 5k before not a runner but I'm trying to tell myself you're not a runner yet but anyways what advice would you have for someone like me about to try and tackle this 5k (laughs) yeah start like I'm I love running and I like it to a certain extent and then I hate it (laughs) and that's a lot of people you get to the point you're running and you're like it's good it's good oh no I don't want to do this anymore slow and steady and the biggest thing is for 5k I would say anyone could do it and that's the mental part of it anyone could run a 5k probably it's just getting past the mental component of it and not running too fast off the bat Mm. like pacing yourself a lot of people run fast it's like training we go in we go all out and then we're burning out when we actually have to come to compete or race And so just starting slow and kind of building your way up. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what other, I'm like, what else would I suggest? There's lots. And the other thing is, and this is where my strength background comes in, strengthening for sure. No matter who you are, when you run, you're impacting every joint up from your ankles and it is a lot of stress and pressure. And so if you don't have that baseline strength in the Achilles tendon, in the calves, in the feet, 
in the legs to take that repetitive hit to the ground and absorbing that force, you're gonna end up with aches and pains and things along the way. So mm -hmm. taking care of your body for sure from a strengthening perspective. And if you do start to feel any aches or pains, get it taken care of early. Don't let it go. Okay, okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that too, actually. I, how important is it for someone who feels some pain to either get it checked out? Like, when do they know if it's actually pain that's just comes with training or if it's actually an injury that they need to get sorted out? Um, obviously physiotherapists and other chiropractors and those would maybe have a more technical answer. I always say if it's something and just from being in the rehab world, if it's there and it's nagging even in a little bit, getting tuned up and doing the maintenance ahead of time is far easier than taking care of a problem later. If you're, you know, doing a little bit in the beginning and just you're starting to get active again, just if you can do it, get a tune up, get those massages, get a physio treatment just to keep things under control so that you can keep going and even if it's you see them every two to three weeks or even less than that better than not going at all and just getting that maintenance done because I think the worst thing for everyone is the actual injury and so if you can prevent as much of it as possible that's what you want to do and for me and in, in what I do and having a background working with lots of physiotherapists and as a physiotherapy assistant I love to connect with them because they do all the manual muscle testing they will check and assess things they will pick up on some things that I may not know and they will then relay that information to me so I can build my clients training programs around what they need to do with their therapist and help work towards the goal together rather than us trying to each individually I'm training them for something way beyond what they should be doing when the physio is picking up on something or I notice something and the physio would benefit from knowing that information and so when we do connect it's just a lot more successful for both the athlete and both practitioners and myself and that brings me back to the everyday athlete program as far as what kind of workouts people are doing how many days a week and, and what does the program look like yep so when they start out they start with each month, well I should say there's a four month cycle. So I do it in four month periodized plan where the first one's your adaptation phase. In there I call it building the foundations just to make it more normal for everyone to be like, I can understand that instead of an adaptation phase. <laughs> um, and so within each month it progresses and then the next phase is building the volume or hypertrophy phase. Then we go into strength phase and then we go into I, sport specific I call it phase it's more uh, high intensity a little bit different more plyometrics things like that and as we go through those each month has three workouts a week plus a mobility session on the weekends for recovery and then mindsets every day scheduled in their calendar so it's just to remind them you've still got to keep at your <laughs> mindset and that five minute time out but the workouts are yeah three days a week plus the mobility to unwind them in the weekend and get the recovery and then I do make suggestions for cardio to match that phase so if for my runners that are in the program for them it might say be tempo style runs during this time and then in the building the foundations it's more anaerobic or sorry aerobic where we're just doing that kind of easy steady state stuff just to encourage blood flow keep the body healthy so depending on the phase there's different suggestions on cardio to do between 
So you could go extreme and go six days a week. I do recommend rest for sure on at least one day. So it's really up to the person and the individual. You can go six if you want, but most people are hitting the three to four, which is good. And then five if they're kind of getting runs in in between. Cool. Perfect. Well, shifting gears a little bit, if someone wanted to get into this field of training and physiotherapy, what would you recommend to them? Or like, where would they start? It's <laughs> a good question. There's lots of there's lots of courses and I definitely believe everyone will have their own path to getting to where they want to go with training. I kept I would say I kept avoiding it even though it was my passion for a long time. I went thought it wasn't a career that I needed to do other things on top of that. And so that's why the schooling and going for the workplace wellness, corporate seemed more practical, but then it's a little more technical on that end, like more planning, more general health promotion. And I like the elite and the higher level performance and those of us that like to push, push our limits. And so, yeah, when you're getting started, honestly, there's so many paths you could take. A, there are weekend courses out there. You can go for your kin degree. There's lots of different options, but I do recommend if you're not sure, take some smaller courses, get familiar, start to get the basics. But if you have a true passion for health and fitness, like go into school. Now they're, I was old when I went to school. I was like 19. Everyone now is 17, I think. <laughs> so um, when you go into university or college, like be open, be open to switching. But if you have that passion, go in because if you love it, it gets easier. And then the more you kind of grow, it gets easier and easier. So I definitely recommend for everyone, education is always your way to explore, to learn, to play with things and decide really where you want to take things. And even today, I probably give me another decade and I probably will be doing slightly different, right? <laughs> like we're always morphing and changing. And so, yeah, even four years ago, like, or five working in clinic settings and then switching into all training, very different. But yeah, there's there's lots of information and courses and things. You definitely want to go with credible sources. There's lots of fitness and training and lots of things out there that don't necessarily have accredited courses or don't necessarily have the foundation as it is one of those weekend courses. Like you do want some solid background behind you because it teaches you how to research and what's quality research, what's good information and help you make those decisions. So overall, education is great. Keep learning, start there. <laughs> and then you can kind of branch from there. But going into business for yourself is a whole nother world too, so. For anyone who's looking to go into business, whether it's open their own practice or their own facility, what are things that they need to consider as far as financials and time and energy and things like that? Because I think when someone sees someone who has their own practice, it's like, oh, that's kind of easy. They get to make their own hours. They, But you're also the one controlling how much money then you bring in. Yeah, I don't own a brick and mortar, which is partly like I don't want that responsibility <laughs> at this time again right. might change everything might change but I rent space so when you're going to brick and mortar or have an actual facility there are so many overhead costs you have to consider 
there's a lot of insurance like as a trainer you have to have insurance but then you have to have building insurance and if you have other staff they have to have insurance or you have to insure them there are facility like think water bills hydro bills like there there's everything on top of that so depending on where like i only launched out in 2019 right before the pandemic and so at that time i wasn't ready to invest in a space or building i think the people that maybe think it looks glamorous um when when they get in it they realize it is tough and it is and there are definite rewards of owning your own facility and having that home base but with that said brick and mortar is not to scare anyone away from it or having your own space that way it, it comes with a lot of responsibility um and it, depending on where you are in your career like for me going out on my own I wanted to just explore what I really wanted to do and what, what my passion was and to really feel connected to that before thinking of expanding in any way and just feeling solid in that instead of jumping in and feeling overwhelmed because business alone is overwhelming at times and, and understanding the ins and outs of growing business is, yeah, it, it's a lot, but if you truly are passionate about it and you want to, like I think the people and you guys might resonate with this, if you always have this feeling of, I think there's something more. <laughs> I have something more to offer. I, I want something more, or you feel like you can be more than, you know, something that you're truly connected to um, can only grow you as a person, whether it's big and successful or whether it's small and successful. It's, yeah, I don't know if that answers any of the questions, but. <laughs> no, and it does. And I think the biggest thing is that people have to, I think things like insurance and certification costs and things like that, that mm -hmm. are just on top of what you're doing, you have to make sure you have those things and they're not costs that you can avoid. Yeah, and especially for someone like for me renting, that comes off my, like I'm paying that, right? And so if you're owning a whole building, those costs are coming off you alone. Like if you are the only sole business person, all of those costs are on you and then you're having to make income greater than that. and bring in to bring in other people to grow it so it's a lot of a lot of working parts when you want to go into that end of things perfect I have a question um, and yeah. I don't know if you want to go into just challenges along the way so I read that you have EB and so what that is and the challenges that came with that from a young age and growing up Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely go into that. So yeah, I was born with EB, which is epidermolysis bullosa. I was born with recessive dystrophic. Uh, originally, they thought it was a different form, but recessive dystrophic, which can, which can be and present very severe, but I'm lucky enough that I'm not on the severe end of things. I do present more mildly, and what it does is just the connective tissues, so um, the epidermal layer and the dermis, so just think the top layers of the skin don't adhere properly, and so if I'm to fall, to wipe out, uh, bump my hand on a, a door, or anything a little off, um, my skin's very fragile and will tear, and it can affect internal systems too, like digestive system, and and mouth and other things. I'm lucky enough, to, like I said, to present mildly, but as a, like growing up as a child, I think that's probably where it starts the uh, spark of my mm -hmm. wanting to be in business for myself. 
I think people always underestimate everyone's abilities. I think we're way more capable than people give us credit for. And for me, having this condition, I think I felt that firsthand as you always feel a little bit, I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. A lot of people would have said as a kid, like, oh, I, for me, I couldn't play sports. Like I, I was told that I did it up until about grade eight. And then when you get into more competitive levels and things start getting rougher or different sports, but that isn't to say I couldn't have played some sports. But then when I hit that age, you get into the age of teenager and being shy and wanting to hide from the world and being born with a different condition. It makes you even more so, I don't wanna say, you, you're just afraid to be yourself. And I think you wanna make yourself small. And that feeling of always wanting to, for me, like I had something more to share. I always had something, but yet I was playing it small. And so I think that's why I'm where I am today is because I've decided, you know, there is so much more I'm capable of and I don't want others to feel that, whether it's in their sport and training and they're suffering from injuries and they're making, it's making them feel defeated or whether it's just some, like I say, the everyday athletes feeling defeated and wanting to just feel healthy and strong. That's where that comes from for me. It sparks that for me, being born with EB and constantly feeling I couldn't do something. I guess that's the fire in me is, yeah, we can do a lot more than people give us credit for. That's inspiring, I will yeah. say that. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think we are all somewhat underperforming in many areas of our life. We're going to move on to a couple of kind of like wrap-up questions. They're just more general questions. So when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, it's funny because all I, you know how you do those little stories is like in kindergarten and you have, I, when I grow up, I want to be this. Mine, looking back, I've achieved my goals. I wanted to have long hair. <laughs> <laughs> and work in a store. That was my ambitions as a kid. And I did that all through college. I worked in a store to pay my, <laughs> pay my way through school. So I achieved those goals. It wasn't anything big. I remember at times wanting to be a pet store owner. Yeah, I loved animals. And so, you know, I thought pet store owner was a good career. <laughs> uh, but I am in a whole different, you know, direction. <laughs> happy obviously with the health direction I've taken and going with athleticism but yeah no big ambitions for me long hair and work in a store <laughs> achievable that's yeah, awesome. achievable yeah, yeah. <laughs> my question is who inspires you and what female leaders do you look up to hmm that is a tough question I think there's so many I think everyone plays different roles. Like if you go big and famous, you've got like Brene Brown. I think she's so well-spoken. She can speak authentically. Like Michelle Obama. I'm trying to think of some others. You know, there's those bigger beings, but to be honest, the most inspiring people to me would be the people in my life, my friends, my girlfriends, my female past co-workers, the people who are just living their lives and following the dreams they want for themselves. So as much as, you know, some people have big leaders that they look to, for me it's really just those that are living authentically without worry for what the world thinks of them. I love that. 
Yes, I do. Do you have any favorite quotes that you live by? Ooh. See, again, I am, this is, <laughs> you'll probably laugh at this. I don't watch any shows twice. <laughs> I'm I don't the same way. read any books <laughs> twice. Like, I might listen to an audiobook twice because I missed parts, but I honestly never go back to something. So there, there'll be quotes I'll come across that I love, and then I'm like, okay, next. Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, there's so many. There's so many things that inspire me that, you know, spark me, and so I, I can't say I have just one. Perfect. That's I like that. Keeping it fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't read any book twice because I don't like to read books in general. <laughs> yeah. but, so on that note, if you had to tell everyone in the world to read one book, oh, what would no. that book be? <laughs> that is a tough question. I think, and this is maybe why uh, for my profession, like I don't stick to any one specific method. I don't think there's one answer to all questions or one training method for everyone. So I, I don't think I can say a book, honestly. That's okay. <laughs> I think there are so many inspiring books, people, things in the world, and I like to learn a little bit about everything. I don't have one movie. I don't have one book. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stacy, so much for being on the podcast today. It has been a pleasure getting to know you and hearing about your programs. Uh, the Everyday Athlete sounds amazing. So if you can just let our listeners know where they can find you and where's the best place to connect. Yes. Obviously, Instagram, it's Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y dot Carswell. You can search me out there. Or if you want to go to my website, www.stacycarswell.com. And you can just message me through there. But Instagram, social is always easier. If you just send a quick message, you can always reach out at any time. I'd be happy to answer any questions, training questions, of course, too. Yeah, so you can reach me there, email me through any of those methods. But obviously, social connects you to me in every way. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep hanging out with us, come say hi on Instagram or Twitter at leadherlifepod. Or if you have a question that you want us to answer, send us an email at leadherlifepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep leading your life. Okay, bye.